Hello and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host, Jo Milmine, and this is episode 148, Stash Bit. Hello, hello, and welcome into another episode of the Shiny Bees podcast. How are you? I'm Joe. I'm your host, and this is episode 148. Today is Tuesday, the 9th of June, 2020. And in today's show, we're going to be talking about stash fit, in particular following on from episode 146, where I randomly declared, much to the shock of probably 50% of the listeners, that I was considering a full and complete de-stash. So in today's show, I've got a bit of news for you. And then I'm going to be talking about stash fit. Now, this was sent to me for review by my new pal, or new pal then, Kate Carter-Evans, who I met in Singapore through a mutual friend of ours, May, Mathmanita May. And who's absolutely lovely. And she asked me, would I like to take a look at it? She'd just done it at that point and was busy working through it with her first group of knitters. Uh, obviously, my all of my stuff was mostly back in the UK and I was mostly in China. So it was, wasn't really a good opportunity for me to try the methodology, shall we say. But this seemed like the perfect time. So that's going to be what I'm going to talk about in the main section of the show. And then before that, I've got a bit of news, really, a bit of chit chat, see how you're getting on uh, before we get into that section. So if you are a new listener, welcome. I hope you'll enjoy what you find here with us. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for joining me. I love you and I love that you come back all the time to catch up with me. It's awesome. So get yourself your brew, get your knitting if you're doing any, and we will crack on with the show. So bit of a catch up after 11 million years of lockdown. We're still in the corona fun, like future Oz will come back to this episode or these series of episodes really and be like, do you remember? Remember when we were all locked up for months on end? Yeah, been a little bit crazy, hasn't it? And showing absolutely zero signs of getting much better, to be honest, but we're still here. We're still here. I'm still here. I'm still working on the homeschooling stuff and working on the garden stuff and trying not to have a complete meltdown. The Corona Coaster is in that middle bit, you know, when you go off the first hill of the Corona Coaster and you get a couple of big hills and then you get like maybe 80% of of it is like bearable going in circles, you know, fast, a little bit unpredictable, but generally quite manageable. I feel like we're in that kind of phase now. Maybe there's more, you know, another big hill to come potentially. I don't know. But yeah, it's been an interesting week or so it's yeah it's a bit hard work it's been like the longest day the longest day like the lockdown has been going on for like months for sure 
but it feels like it's been like just one day. It's really weird. So yeah, I've been obviously chatting to quite a few of you on social and in the group and stuff. And what do you do? You know, just just carry on really. Just carry on. See what happens. Some days you're going to eat a full box of mini magnums, you know, other days you're going to be owning it and, you know, doing pee with Joe and everything else. But what can you do? What can you do? So I've been mostly coping. I've been quite chill because of yoga with Adrienne, my new my new girl crush, Adrienne, who I'm totally going to teach to knit one day and been massively enjoying that. I just got a new yoga mat. I couldn't get one because it sold out. So I was doing yoga just on the carpet and I've managed to hurt both my wrists doing that. Um, they're just a bit sore and a bit stiff. And I think the mat will probably help with that. But I'm getting quite stretchy, quite impressed. I mean, I'm still definitely not stretchy in terms of can I go back to Chinese yoga and look like I know what I'm doing, not stretchy. But I'm definitely stretchier than I was. And the breathing totally helps. I find the breathing to be very beneficial in improving my singing in the car. That's right. I mean, I was an amazing singer in the car anyway, because everybody is. I'm even better now. You should hear me belting out Tiffany. I mean, and, and everyone loves it. I do that thing that, you know, like mums are not supposed to do. So I'm driving my little estate car because I'm cool. I'm rock and roll. No roof box at the moment, uh, but I keep the roof bars on to make it look a little bit sporty. And because I don't know how to take them off. And I never know when I'm going to need a roof box, right? But yeah, I ride around and because because I'm totally cool and also because the air conditioning isn't working properly, it doesn't need recharging. There's a problem with the like the thermostat that turns decides whether you need to be aircon or not and heat or not. So not ideal. Needs fixed, but I don't want to give my car away to anyone to get it fixed right now um, because I can I can do without it, particularly when it means I can ride around with the window down. So like, there's me with the kids in the back, belting out all kinds of absolute bangers. And the cyclists love it. They love it when I go past singing to them. You know, if you stop at the, the traffic lights and they pull up and I'm, I'm singing Rush Hour. Oh, you send me. They love it. They love it. Their little faces laughing. It makes the day, I'm sure it does. I'm sure they're not bothered at all by all the diesel fumes spewing out the back of my clapped out Renault. But yeah, it's made me quite good at singing, I think. I think, obviously, can't ask anyone else's opinion. Not seeing anyone for 12 weeks. Anyway, yeah, it's a small joys, isn't it, with the good old lockdown. So I've been doing a lot of yoga and been doing some gardening, planted some laurels, trying to keep my begonias alive. Turns out that they do get fried in the sun. They're a little bit more temperamental when you get them from being tiny begonias. And... That's it really, I've not planted much because the garden centre that I was tapping for all of my plants now aren't doing click and collect and I can't just go like queue up and wait to go in. And having the same problem with my, my paint for my, 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 my fence, I want to paint my fence but being queued don't let under 16s in and the queue to get in is about three hours long so I know it's a first world problem but the, I can't go and get, get my, you know, get my Cooper and all and paint my fence, you know, I feel like I'm being useful can't do it so yeah but it's been I've been quite enjoying the you know just pottering around in the garden and that's like the only thing that's changed and it was it's a little bit like being away on ops in that 
the only thing that is different from day to day is is what what curry you've got on because it's always a curry and um, if anyone sent you any blueies um, bluey as in like it's a, that's the colour of the envelope I'm not talking about porn and it's kind of the same like the only difference from day to day really in lockdown is is how much your begonias have grown by I've literally no I don't recognise the person I've become people so yeah Anyway, how are you doing? How are you doing with the lockdown mobs? The mobs definitely come back when the sun goes in, I have to say. And it's been in for a few days. So I have had a few indiscretions in terms of eating mini magnums. Not a whole box, but not far off. Um, but you know what? Who cares? Sometimes you just got to roll with it. You've got to roll with it and accept that sometimes the answer is a mini magnum. Anyway, in news, we... I, not we, the royal we, I am doing a workshop. I know, an online workshop for my pals down at Farnham Malting. So I thought I'd let you know about it in case it's of interest to you. And it's a live online workshop, so I'll be there in person, but via the internet. And it is on the 23rd of June, 2020. And for 25 of your finest English pounds, you can come and join me. I am teaching about writing content calendars and content planning for mostly for businesses but for craft craft businesses in particular um making content that helps you to sell stuff but also knowing what you're going to be writing about so you don't have that feeling where you're like oh I need to blog but I don't know what to blog about I need to post on social don't know what to talk about I've only got so much time to make a blog and actually is the stuff I'm writing about going to help me make sales and get customers or am I just wasting my time? Because there is a difference. And there's a you know, there's quite a bit more behind the whole what do I write than just let me think of something to write, which I've been doing with private clients for ages and I'm doing in an online workshop there. I'll be doing my own version afterwards, so if you can't make it, don't worry, and you want to go, but you can't make it at that time or day, because it is a small group live workshop that's only limited to eight places, so that I can get in there and help everyone who is coming to the workshop to make sure they're fully like sure of what they're doing, and they understand everything like it would be in a proper live workshop, but I'll be doing my own version of that afterwards and making that available to you. So that is at Farnham Maltins. I will put a hot link for, through my website. So if you go to shinybees.com forward slash content plan, that will link directly to the booking page at Farnham Maltins, or you can go to Farnham Maltings directly. I'll put links for these in the show notes, which will be shinybees.com forward slash 148. Because there are, it's a pilot project and there are other workshops that are going to be delivered around other subjects to do with running um, a, a craft-based or arts-based business that's been put together by Ali Thistlewood of Great London Yarn Crawl and um, she's the events coordinator over at Afana Maltins these days. So it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. I've got lots of cool stuff like planner printable cheat sheety good stuff to talk about with that so I'm quite excited about that looking forward to it the other thing I am working on is my podcasting training online training that I'm going to be doing I'm dead excited I'm really excited I keep accidentally helping people to launch podcasts just by getting all excited about it and going like oh you could totally do that I've got these videos lying around that I could just put into a google drive for you and just use those while I'm still writing my course, which I did do to one of my friends, April. 
uh, who literally I gave them to on Wednesday and by Friday a podcast was on iTunes. I was like, oh, okay. Action taker. Awesome. Um, so yeah, super cool. And I've, I mean, I've waxed lyrical about podcasting before. Like, I think it's the most amazing medium ever. I think it's a lot better than video. It's a lot more intimate. It's a lot, a lot more freedom to do what you kind of want to do. And people have more time to listen to audio than they do the other types of media. You're not going to sit there and watch a video while you're doing the ironing necessarily. It's just... Well, maybe the ironing, but not when you're riding a horse. That would be dangerous. But you can listen to a podcast when you're doing that. And it's been super for me. And I just want to kind of, there's a lot of people right now who have messages to share and things they want to say. And I think everyone needs to hear that, especially from women. So, and a lot of the stuff out there, and I've read a lot of it, and it's just not that, not that interesting to read. It's not that interesting. It's very tech focused. It can feel quite exclusionary because of the language that is used. And it doesn't need to be that way. You don't need to know that much to do a podcast and you don't need to have all of the tech or all of the the clue or all of the engineering training. You don't need that because you're not that's not what you are. You're a host, you're not an audio engineer. There are people you can hire to do that if you want to. And for everyone else, there's ways of doing it that produce a very, very similar result um, and can make your audio sound really good. And yeah, I love it. And sometimes it's been super regular. Sometimes I've had a few months off, but I'm I've also managed to keep it going for eight years, all told. Uh because I've built like ways of making podcasts and ways of planning it and doing it that are sustainable when you're traveling around the world with small children, trying to work around other people's jobs, trying to podcast at night, whatever you're trying to do. I found easy ways to do it, to make it work and make it sustainable. And that's what I think is missing in a lot of podcasting training is it's all about the tech and the microphone and, you know, this, that and the other and batch this and content that. And yeah, it's all good stuff if you've got all the time in the world to do it. But if you've not and you're time bound and you've got a message and you want to get it out there and you just want to know the quickest, easiest, fastest way to do it, then you can bet your ass I've figured it out because I don't have that much time to podcast, unfortunately. And I just want to help other people share their message, however that is, whatever format that takes. And April's actually, hers is a... Uh, a really short podcast a couple of times a week and she's actually she's a singer so she's singing on her podcast she does a bit of a kind of talk first something to think about and then she's doing a song which is really cool and different that's the first one of those I've had but you can literally podcast on anything and I just want to help people do that basically I think it's really important and necessary and exciting I get so excited about it um, so there's going to be like online workshops, workbooks, printables. I've nearly, well, back writing my book again. There's going to be planners. There's going to be like bite-sized training, in-person workshops. And we're finally allowed out. Can't wait. Do you remember when we used to be able to go out for a drink? And um, also like consultancy and one-to-one help with that. I've already got people asking about helping them to launch their podcast, which is my favourite thing to do. Like literally hold your hand and help you. And obviously my book is going to be coming. So yeah, dead busy, dead exciting. I'm trying to figure out though the brand name. This is what's, why it isn't already out there already is I had a brand name of Chart Topping Podcast and I like that name, but I'm not sure it really embodies the kind of people that I 
want to empower to start a podcast. Not that it doesn't, not that you shouldn't be aiming for a chart po- topping podcast, because I think that's a great way to kind of make, you know, make changes or, or influence people or meet people or do whatever you want to do with your podcast. It's a great thing, great way of doing it. It's to reach lots and lots of people. But that's not to say you can't do that with a smaller audience, for sure. So I'm not sure, I think there's a bit of a disconnect there. But I also can't think of a name. <laughs> this is bad isn't it can't think of it because because it's my stuff I can't think of a name um like I can't think of a name that adequately describes what it is that I do want to do because it is like you know the people you've got an opinion who want to say something who are making changes or or not you know but just want to do it an easy way and but make a difference with it and who are passionate about it and a bit rebellious they don't want to follow the cookie cutters like, I'm totally rebellious we'll come on to that when I talk about Snashbit um in a bit but you know just 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 want to be doing it with other people around them with someone to help them um, cut through the millions of articles that tell you nothing in really boring language on the internet and just be like do this do that do that jobs are good and you're on iTunes happy days let's go so if you've got any ideas about what I should call that definitely let me know but once I figure that out obviously I will I'll be letting you know be popular in that website over there. And I've also, I've got another top secret project that I'm working on for, it's a podcasting one. It's nothing to do with knitting that I think is going to be really exciting. And I'm I'm working on how that's going to look because it's not going to be the same. This is a very chatty podcast and quite informal because we're, you know, that's my listener promise. We're in the pub together and we're chatting and we're knitting and we're mates and we're recommending stuff to each other and we're inspiring and we're learning and it's very kind of community. And this other podcast will be slightly different that I'm working on. So yeah, that's all coming. But if you want to get on my list for that or want me to tell you about that in particular, you can go to shinybees.com forward slash start your podcast and leave your details there. And I will... I'll let you know when it's ready. Dead excited. I'm looking for like test readers and all of that stuff. Like, ah! excited. Anyway, focus, Joe, focus. Stop getting so excited. So in the next part, we're going to be talking about stash fit. It's going to be semi-review and semi-kind of like rolling introspective on why I find it difficult to follow rules um, when it comes to anything. So let's crack into the review part. So now we're going to talk about StashFit, which is a workbook slash methodology for making a stash that fits. It is uh, by Kate Carter-Evans, who is Infinite Twist. She's an indie dyer as well. You can find her at infinitetwist.com. She did give me some yarn to have a look at as well, but I've not had a chance to yet. It's in my stash in China but I'll be doing that at some stage as well, I'm sure. And I met Kate in January, February 2019 in Singapore. And I met her through our mutual friend May, Math Manita, as I mentioned earlier, and definitely go and check out May's designs as well. Uh, She designs some absolutely beautiful knitwear and um, she's, she's a really good source of like, up until recently, obviously, because she's not been traveling as much, but she likes to go to different festivals. She's quite often over in the UK and uh, she's always finding really nice yarns and going to different yarn shops. So I quite like to follow her account for that, as well as the knitwear. She is also an amazing baker. Absolutely lovely. And I met again, met May via Katie, who's another listener. Hello. 
to you as well. So uh, Kate asked me, would I like to take a look at Stash Fit? And I haven't been able to take a look at it until now because I would have been doing the process on a, a mini travel stash rather than my complete stash, which was back in the UK and considerably larger than the travel stash. I'm almost dreading the travel stash coming back from China already. <sighs> yes. So I decided to, that now would be a good time to take a look at this because I had nothing to do with this, but I had had like a, a an epiphany moment where I was considering and still am to be honest like I'm, I'm still a bit like oh just get rid of it full and complete de-stash of my stash and that's not because I don't like it and not because the stuff in there isn't beautiful because it is like I've got some glorious glorious yarn in there but it takes up a lot of space like it takes up you know a couple of shelves in the wardrobe along with like I said, the baskets of half-finished objects or unfinished objects, UFOs. And it doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel claustrophobic. It it just makes me feel like I'm underachieving. And I don't want to feel like I'm underachieving when it comes to my stash. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm not doing the wool justice or the yarn justice by leaving it in a cupboard where nobody's going to see it. There's also some stuff in there that I just don't know if I'm ever going to use, but I keep more out of an emotional attachment to it rather than because I want it necessarily. And I just believe that it's, that yarn is potential. Like I've talked about this before, yarn is potential. So when you buy a skein of yarn, you're buying potential. It Yes, you're buying art because someone's maybe hand dyed it. And even if it's commercial yarn, someone's decided that colour palette and put all that together to create that yarn for a particular reason. So you're buying art and then you've got this potential that you can change into anything. You can combine it with another person's pattern, which is art, and then put them together. And, and the way you combine the pattern and the yarn is also art. And then you've got something that you can wear and enjoy and feel good about and like or you can gift and somebody else can feel good about it. But when potential, and is that, which is energy in itself, potential energy, is left in a cupboard, it, it's, it's just nothing. It's just trapped energy. It's just trapped potential, which makes me feel a little bit sad. And it's also becoming more obvious, not just because lockdown has completely sped up the clock. It's very weird feel like we're on nightmare or something and who remembers nightmare from when we were kids you know when they had that clock and they only had so long to get through it was on citv completely going to be lost on the americans sorry um you should, i don't think you had nightmare but it's bound to be on youtube you should watch it, it was cracking a bit scary though anyway nightmare like the clock has sped up and a lot of us and I say yours because you've told me this to be the case for you as well i've just kind of stopped knitting in lockdown we're like i can't knit and a lot of us have been upset about the recent events that have been going on with um, Black Lives Matter and, and racism and processing all of that and the horrific stuff that's been happening. And also don't want to knit, like the knitting has stopped. And it's not all about production, 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 but when you look back over your stash and you see that the stuff there from like seven, 
eight, nine years ago, there comes a point where you're like, dude, if you don't knit this soon, it's like, it's just going to perish. It's just going to rot in you, literally rot in your cupboard if you don't knit this soon and let it see the light of day. So it, it, it causes a lot of guilt, which is not how it should be. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty here at all. Like, I don't care how big your stash is. Your stash is a very personal thing. Personal to you. You decide how big it is. You decide how you feel about it. You make the judgments. Screw what anyone else thinks, right? It's up to you. And for me, like, I'm feeling that I'm just not making the most of it. And, and I do, this is the problem with my stash. And I used to do like little stash dives. When, do you remember when Periscope was a thing? Does anyone go live on Twitter anymore? Remember when Periscope was a thing? I used to do little stash dives like on a, on a lunchtime, go stash diving. And I'd be able to pull out like the skein and tell you the full story of the skein. In fact, I think I've talked about skein stories on here before and did a couple of them and then, then just stopped because it's just pain and um i can tell you the whole story of it i can tell you where i got it from who i was with blah 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 about the person that died it everything so it's a bit of an emotional minefield going through your stash and deciding what is and isn't there and i just think it's a thing that should make you feel good and that you should be happy and excited about and when you start feeling sad and guilty and negative feelings around something, particularly something that's not a person, it's like an inanimate object, that's when you need to kind of deal with it. And I was like, every time I opened the cupboard, I was sort of sighing about it. And that sounds ungrateful and it's not ungrateful. In an ungrateful way, it was more in a, how do I make the most of this way? Because I feel like I'm wasting it. So yeah, I decided to have a look and and see if, if Kate could help with that. Because the problem with D-stashes, and you might have tried it before, I have tried it a few times with limited success, is you get, what happens is you get you get the boxes out, you tip it all out on your bed or whatever, then you rearrange it all, and then you take a little stash, stash, stash picture, put it on Insta, and then you start sniffing it, playing around with it, the oohs and the ahs, Oh, do you remember when? Oh, how lovely is this? Oh, rub it on my face. Oh, I remember when I bought this. And then you start daydreaming about when you got it and where you were and who you were with. And before you know it, like you've just gone down memory lane. You've not de-stashed anything. You've not taken an objective look at anything. You're just like rolling in the stash, which is fine as a recreational activity. I've got no problem with that. Roll in the stash all you want for me, my love heartily encouraged heartily encouraged that you do that doesn't get rid of any of it though does it like if if the object of the game is to get rid of some of the stash communing with it is not going to get rid of it it's not it's lovely it feels great you enjoy it the yarn fumes are strong my friend but it doesn't make it easy to objectively assess what you require in your life and what you don't require in your life and if you decide you still need it all Happy days, my friend. Pack it all back in the cupboard. You crack on. But I, I just feel like that approach, much ridiculed approach by my husband, because he's like, you're just so rubbish at clearing stuff out. You go to like go tidy and then you get your stash out and you just mess about with it, you know, and then, then it's even un more untidy than it was before you were doing a clear out. You've just got more of it out to knit with. And he's kind of right. Much as it pains me. 
much as it pains me to admit. He's a little bit right there. So I decided this time I need a different approach. Maybe I need to do something a bit more logical. Maybe I need to follow some kind of structure and system to this particular process. And I don't mind structure and system. Like I like structure and systems. They're they're, they're very good for everything. But I'm just like... Dragging yourself away from the fun of sniffing the yarn and messing about with it and reducing that to a cold, hard system, it, it just doesn't work that well for me because I do love the yarn. And I just it just feels like a very creative process and it, it sterilises it to, to reduce it to just a system. But I think it might be necessary because ultimately, if I don't do something different, I'm going to end up with the same thing I've always ended up with, right? Hence my idea to just, just don't get it out right if getting it out causes problems with getting rid of it just don't get it out just don't get it out and get rid of it just get it out just send it away don't even play with it and i'm still considering that however stash fit is where it comes in so i'm going to talk you through the different sections in this kate has studied this with a test group of knitters and come up with some really interesting facts and figures and ideas about things she's also at pains like me to say to you dude you make you make what you want you you stash what you want a stash is a personal thing it's no criticism there are no rights and wrongs when it comes to stash you make it what you want but if you are finding that you are not enjoying the stash this is a way that you could approach slimming it down a little bit if you like and she also heartedly discourages yarn diets because they, they're not productive i don't believe they're very productive at all i think it makes you worse in the same way that an ordinary diet makes you just crave mcdonald's or whatever i've never craved mcdonald's personally but curry definitely depriving yourself only makes it worse it just makes you obsess over it so anyway let me read you some different bits and pieces from the actual doc and some things that I think are pretty good and we can talk about it a little bit more. So from the introduction, I will read you a couple of things out. So she says, it's a fact of knitting life to have more yarn than you're actually using at any given moment. And I'm going to start off by saying that's 100% okay. I agree, Kate. Almost everybody in the developed world has more clothes than they can wear at any one time and nobody bats an eyelash. Eyelash. Billy eyelash. Eyelash, even. I've not anymore. I skimmed a lot of them into my skip last week. Did really well with the clothes, not so well with the arm. The bad news is that many of us feel guilty or distressed when we think about our stash. We choose to turn down knitting projects that we're excited about, projects that might actually bring us joy, in the interest of, inverted commas, knitting down the stash, or sticking with the dreaded, inverted commas, yarn diet. If the presence of stashed yarn in our lives keeps us from knitting the things we want to knit, it's a hindrance, not a resource. Agreed. Also, quantity does not necessarily equal utility. This is a really good one, because how many of us have got 50 million single skeins of four-ply or sockway yarn? You can have a mountain of stashed yarn and still not have the yarn you need or want. It can be difficult to justify buying the yarn that you need or want when you're facing down an overflowing yarn closet or a storage box stuffed so full its lids won't close. 
Depending on the state of your stash, it can be really hard to find the yarn you're looking for, despite being pretty sure it's in there somewhere. Between you and the yarn you're hunting for, there's who knows how much, why haven't you knitted me yet, guilt-inducing yarn. In a nutshell, stash becomes a problem when it stands between you and your excitement. Right? Anyone just saying, yeah, that's totally me. I was like, how, 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 how does she know? How does she know that's what's happening? So she, she's designed a program to help. It's like 38 pages long. It's a workbook and it's got all of the, you know, you print it out, it's a printable and you work through all of the different parts of it. So the exercise in the workbook will help you, from Kate, discern the kinds of projects that make you happiest, figure out how much yarn you'll use in a year, capture and prepare to knit the projects you're dreaming of. I don't think I'm going to do this one, but you can. It helps you with this. <laughs> Organise the yarn you already have and love into ready-to-knit kits. Oh, I hate the idea of bagging them into kits. It's a massive melting block for me. Uh, and make your own pocket-sized yarn album to use as a guide to manage and develop your stash to deliver maximum knitting happiness. Now, that is a particular section I'm very interested in because I don't know about you, but I'm very squish-led when it comes to acquiring yarn, especially at knitting shows. Do you remember when we used to go to knitting shows? <laughs> and it, it can be very squish-led and very personality-led and very emotionally led and I don't necessarily think about what I'm going to make with something because obviously I'm going to make something with it someday like I am a creative genius like I'm sure I'll figure it out and there's nothing wrong with that approach at all but maybe if you've got some guidelines if you struggle from you know over acquiring and you have some guidelines about the stuff you actually need that would make it easier for you to make more fruitful productive sensible sensible choices when it comes to buying your yarn so you don't get home and think I've bought all this yarn but actually I ain't got what I needed so I'm quite excited by that particular section now she also insists that you fit, read and fill out the whole workbook before you get the stash out which I think is going to be quite hard because all this talking about stash it's like talking about curry it makes me want one so it's going to be difficult but if you get out the stash before you do the whole workbook, you're just going to mess about in the stash. Like if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got, aren't you? So you've got to be a little bit more brutal. So she said, also, when it comes to weeding out your yarn, it should be easy. But, and I was talking about this earlier and I definitely agree, the stash often has an outsized hold over you. And it's usually a combination of three things. One, seeing untapped potential. I might make something with this someday. Two, financial guilt. I paid a lot of money for this yarn. I'd better use it. And three, emotional attachment, i.e. this yarn came from the Fibre Festival where I had such a good time. So it's not easy to just let go of it. It's not just stuff, you know. And even ordinary stuff, it can be hard to get rid of sometimes. So she starts with the first exercise where... I don't want to go into all of the details for it because she's very, very thorough, step-by-step -step instructions with the little things to write it down, with questions as well to prompt you to think and consider about all of these different things in a bit more detail than, yeah, I loved it, no, I didn't. Like They're almost like coaching prompts in a way for like the yarn, you know, asking a lot, facilitating you to think through what sorts of projects you do make, what sort of projects are successful makes that you love 
what sort of projects are ones that were a bit not that great so what sort of thicknesses of the yarn what is there any similarities between the projects all of that and you rate your projects that you've you've done recently which obviously it's it's reflection right so it gives you an opportunity to reflect on what you're actually doing instead of what you think you're doing because they can be two different things definitely can be you can say like one thing like red's my favorite color but i've mostly been knitting with blue this year and i wear a lot of blue i do wear red but i wear a lot of blue but i've also got orange a lot of orange in my stash just just because it's a pretty color in the skein not because i necessarily wear it so this is a really great exercise for that and she literally takes you through step by step you even have like a list of materials so there's no excuse for getting distracted she tells you exactly what you need before you even sit down so you can go through everything obviously me being me i'm like skip a bit skip a bit because that's what i'm like i don't feel like doing that necessarily be a bit more kind of Rowing the edges with it and it's a guide at the end of the day it, and a lot of people do like that step-by-step approach to things and when I'm asking someone to do something or I'm teaching someone to do something or I'm learning to do something I do like that very step-by-step broken completely down um, and I think a lot of the I'm not going to do that is more me resisting going through the process because of what it might mean for my stash Having said that, I have just considered getting rid of all of it so I don't need to go through the emotional trauma of letting it go. So I think that's more of a kind of emotional block than, you know, any kind of like slight on my approach to work or this um, this process, to be honest. I think it is about that. Like, I just don't want to face the emotion of getting rid of it. Um, you wouldn't think I was emotional about stuff, but I am a little bit. I get dead attached. I'm very nostalgic, massively nostalgic. So she takes you through the tops and flops of your recent knitted objects and really digs down into what was it that made it a top, what was it that made it a flop, you know, were there any knitting memories, all all of that kind of thing. And she gives some like prompts around spotting, spotting like links between things that you maybe won't necessarily spot and and an area even to look at like what what surprised you because you might find when you look back over something that, that it surprised you like you would maybe you think you like knitting socks but you didn't knit any socks that year or you only knitted a certain type of sock or you didn't think you liked beaded knitting but you've done 20 beaded projects you know just to help you figure out when you go to the stash what is a suitable material and what isn't and the next one and I think this one is brilliant makes me a little bit nervous to do it is what and how much you've knit in a year (gasps) like I think I knit loads of stuff and then I look how long I've been doing things and I'm like I've knitted about like 10 yards and I think I've like made 80 things they're just not the same thing which is really interesting because obviously when you knit through things it, it moves out of stash and moves into wardrobe and then the space for acquisition. If you just acquire and you don't move people, move people, move skeins from the stash into wardrobe, then it's just stash bulging. It's not moving the sta- the, the wool along its natural trajectory. So if you know how much you knit in a year, you know how much you can acquire in a year, potentially. Again, when I'm getting my stash out to de-stash, I just never think this, never think about it. 
because I'm just like, oh, I'll get you some. What I particularly like as well is that she the number of prompts that are in here. Just to, you know, it's not just a case of write down the number, move on. There's actually like questions and she actively encourages you to be like, have a think about this. Ask yourself this. How do you feel about this? If it's good, happy days. If you feel overwhelmed, let's just adjust this. So it's very personalized to you as well. And obviously there's no one like looking over your shoulder. You can put whatever numbers you want in here. You don't have to feel bad. It just is a real kind of tool for you to figure out what you should do. So then she she talks about an ideal stash size. Now this is based on some actual like science of, you know, that her test group, she tested it with them and how much they, they test and how much they knit rather, not the test, how much they knit. And she kind of work, worked it all down to a recommended like, you know, rule of thumb for stash. And mine is woefully in excess of this, probably 20 to 30 times bigger than this, I reckon, once I actually get, confess the numbers, confess the numbers. Um... And she's not talking about volumetric size because stash and stash and stash, isn't it? Four ply doesn't take up as much space as bulky and bulky knits faster than four ply. So you might find that your bulky stash is enormous if that's what you're knitting with, but time-wise it is less. And time is a thing that, I mean, you knit at the same speed. It's just bigger things grow faster because they're on a bigger needle, but you knit at the same speed pretty much no matter what yarn you're knitting the, the stitches go at roughly the same speed it's just the size of the the yarn and the needle that make the difference to how fast something goes so yeah she she said she says the ideal stash should contain two years worth of yarn or less i know and what she means by that is like if you have half stash and half new yarn, new yarn the average stash cycle should be like four years based on like how often you move and what colour changes and trend changes and things like that. From all of her surveys, she found that four year stash cycle is good. So you want your stash to be two years of less or, or less, two years worth of yarn or less. So you've got two years of space basically to buy new stuff. Now, obviously, two years worth time is different for everyone, depending on how much you knit and how often and what you work with and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I know. I I find that pretty groundbreaking. Mine's definitely bigger than that. Good grief. It's like 20 years. It's dread. It, honestly, it, I'm a bit like, <gasps> I either need to dedicate more time to knitting or have less yarn. It's just, there's just no two ways about it. After that, she looks at planning what you're thinking about knitting over the next sort of year or so and, and literally doing all of the the maths for that. Again, just not something I've ever really done, but it makes tons of sense, especially there's like patterns that you know you've wanted to knit for ages and you still definitely want to knit them, but they don't necessarily float to the top of the I want to knit this right now page or part of your brain when you're looking at casting something else new on. Quite often we get distracted by whatever's trendy or whatever everyone else is knitting at the time, potentially if it's like a knit along or whatever. All the old faithfuls, like I've done so many lush cardigans and I've got the yarn for about three more 
And I love that pattern. I love wearing it. I love knitting it. I love the yarn. And it doesn't always come up as the first choice when it comes to casting something else on. So this is quite a useful sort of exercise to kind of focus the mind on what you're actually doing. Then she talks about getting rid of yarn. And again, in this section, there's some really, really good points like when to sell it, when to just gift it, when to ask someone else to knit it for you, because there's there are options for getting someone else to knit the yarn for you even. So you end up with the finished object. You move it from stash to wardrobe without having to do the work yourself necessarily. Now, obviously a lot of yarn is quite expensive and you spent the money on it and you might want to get that back. But she also has like a procedure to go through to figure out if that's even worth your time and the faff of, you know, photographing it, uploading it, whatever. It can, it can depend, you know, sometimes you just want it gone. Sometimes you want the money. A lot of people de-stash because they need money for a quick thing or whatever but in this case if you just want to let some of it go to free the space and free the mind then maybe you won't bother selling it necessarily but there are loads and loads of tips for actually like stopping the yarn from coming back into your stash which I'm not going to obviously go through all of it here because it's all in stash fit itself but what I did like one particular suggestion was is have a plan for how you're going to dispose of what doesn't sell. So quite often you're like, well, I'll just put it on Insta or I'll de-stash it on Ravelry and that'll be fine. But it doesn't necessarily sell straight away. And then it sits there. And what happens when it sits there? It sneaks its way back into the stash party, baby. So like have a deadline where you say, anything that's not sold by then, I will do this with it. So it's definitely gone, which is good. Um, and loads of tips for actually getting, once you've selected, which is a hard thing to do in the first place, what you are going to get rid of, like a buddy to make sure you get rid of it. Because I've got yarn, I've ha I'm halfway through photographing it, I've put some of it on social, people have even asked me for it, not charged them for the money or posted it yet. It's been sat there since before lockdown even started. It's 12 weeks now. It's crazy, right? AEZ, you need a deadline for this stuff. I need a deadline for this stuff. I'm not saying that's you, I'm saying it's me which is cool. Like I really like all of the scaffolding that's been introduced to this procedure to help you actually get it done. She clearly understands the mentality of the de-stash or the de-stasher and the stasher, like how you got this, you know, having a stash in the first place and puts things in place so you can actually follow through with it which is really good. It's one thing saying you need to do this, the what. It's something else like how do you do it? How do you make sure you go through with it? How do you make sure you don't slip back? How do you make progress? The how is often missing with things like this, but in this it's not. And there's there's actually like supporting things you can put in place to make sure you go through with it. Then you move on to making the kits which makes loads of sense. I've just always rallied against it. I feel like the yarn needs to commune together like one big party, not just separately in little bags, but it does make it easier to not get distracted. You know, if you're going into the stash, instead of, like I said, tipping it over your head and breathing it all in, you're just going in, getting one bag, moving out, like there's no, there's no faffing around with it, which gives you more time to knit, of course, which is really good. Um, she's also got trackers for capacity for like the amount of yarn you can knit and 
you know, planned usage and stuff like that. She's just super like organized. Like the kind of knitter I always kind of wanted to be when I wasn't being super like, oh, let me just go breathe in the stash, breathe in the stash. And obviously from this, you can take what you want and what you don't want. So, you know, if it really crimps your, um, your creativity and stuff, then, then just don't do some parts of it. You don't need to do them all. But if you find that it you're repeating the same behaviours again and again, then possibly it's worth considering. Then at the end, it's the pocket-sized yarn album, which I'm really excited about. So the purpose of the yarn album, and it can be a paper one, there's a template for the paper one, of course there is, or it can be a electronic version is that you can have that with you. So you've got your kits that you've already made up that you're really excited about in the album. So you can use that to decide, you know, what you're going to be working on and what whether the purchases you're considering are going to match up to the reality of the super exciting kits that you've already got made. And a lot of people do make, you know, if you go into a show, they'll make lists of what they want to buy and stuff like that. But I think this can be a good reminder of what you already have, because when you get the scent and you want to buy something and you're excited about it, sometimes you forget the practicalities and then you get home and think, oh, what am I going to do with this? Like it was dead cute there, but don't know what I'm going to knit with this. I'm allergic to yak anyway. I'm not allergic to yak, but you know what I mean? So... After you've done the kits and stuff, then it comes to like sorting out all of the other bits of yarn and she has different boxes to sort everything into. Again, everything is systemized so that, you know, once you've done it, once you've done this project, this this process rather once, it's it's done, you know, and it should hopefully mean that you don't make the same mistakes again when it comes to acquiring the yarn. So yeah, there are a lot a lot of things to work on in here and it's um comes with an appendix as well so it's the appendix has got everything that you need to complete the program and like a planner for selling your yarn and you know all of these different printables that you can use to get the most out of this document really this process so I think it's really cool it's definitely challenging my usual way of doing things when it comes to the yarn like I love a step-by-step procedure like this an operating procedure in anything else but the yarn is an emotional beast and I find it difficult I think because of my own emotional attachment to the yarn and the memories particularly with the yarn rather than the wool itself or yarn fibre itself which is why I'm kind of like, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want to do that because I'm just reacting at the moment to being prodded a little bit about it Um, and probably why I just want to get rid of the whole thing and start again so I don't have to face the memories. Um, But if you are the kind of person that, that, you know, like you washi tape warriors, you ones who love your boojos, you're like all over the planner, yeah, 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 let's do it. Um, Like writing stuff down more than you like doing it. I think you'll love this. Like if you like a printable, this is a really, really nice printable with an actual method and everything else to go with it. So it is $10 only to buy, which is like half a skein of yarn. And considering it can stop you like spending on unuseful yarn and it helps you to make the most out of your yarn, I think that's a pretty good price point because you can come back to this process again and again whenever you do a de-stash um, or think about reorganising your stash in that cycle that she talks about, that four-year cycle, you can just bring this back up again and do it again. You can also get together with some mates and do it potentially. That doesn't mean just swap all your yarn with each other, by the way. It means that you all get rid of it. But you know what I mean? Like, 
it would be a good exercise to have a buddy do it with you so you can kind of keep each other accountable to the the necessary pruning that needs to go on. Um, so like I said, definitely one that's worth checking out. I'll put a link to it in the show notes where you can find it on her website. It is Kate Carter Evans. She's infinitetwist.com. I will have the link to this in my show notes, which is shinybees.com forward slash one four eight. So you can find everything that I've talked about, links to all of the things over there. So that's all I've got time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show and some thoughts about stash fit and my multiple added thoughts going along with that i'm sure like someone would a psychologist would have a field day with whatever i've said during this but you know whatevs <laughs> hashtag week 12 of lockdown so yeah i'm interested if you've done this already if you've done stash fit already then definitely let me know and if you're considering it then tell me we could even make a little group in uh, Ravelry or Facebook or whatever and all work together on it potentially. Like I said, I've not decided what 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 will befall the stash. I'm too I'm literally too scared to open the cupboard at this stage. I'm definitely in a bit of a stasis moment with with all of it. After my initial success with the skip, the skip went very well. Um the yarn cupboard is, is less well. But yeah, more about that next time. Anyway, I hope you will have a lovely week. Happy crafting, take care, and I will speak to you all again soon. Cheers! You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast. Show notes for this episode can be found at our website, shinybees.com forward slash 148. And don't forget, you can find everything about my upcoming podcasting love and courses at shinybees.com forward slash start your podcast I need a drink I need a friend I need your help